Welcome to the Discover Church Podcast. We are a Christian faith community based out of Denver, Colorado. Join us this week as we bring our uncertainties to an unchanging God. If you have any questions about the sermon, please feel free to send them in. You can email them to us at hello at discoverdenver.church. Amen. All right. Well, listen, we're doing this series called The Struggle is Real. The struggle is real, by the way. And when we talk about the struggle, we're talking about these big concepts, but then we're applying them specifically. What's amazing is as we are walking in faith to talk about these things, it seems like more and more people are saying, hey, I feel like talking about that topic in church has been liberating to me. So we talked about shame. We've talked about weakness. We've talked about conflict. Tonight, what we're going to talk about is fear and discouragement, okay? Fear and discouragement. Now, let me just let me just tell you, uh, you can go ahead and go to that next slide, fear and discouragement. Let me just tell you, um, for all of us, experiencing fear or discouragement is very natural. What the kids quoted in Joshua is unnatural. I hope what you're realizing is the struggle is natural. What's unnatural is being able to take steps where we say, I'm committed to my relationships. I'm committed to God. I'm committed to people. I'm committed to a job. I'm committed to seeing this thing through. That's unnatural. So if you go, this is, this is like my default. Or maybe, maybe you're in here and you're like, That's my, I don't ever experience fear. Yeah, you're afraid of being vulnerable, man. Like you need to calm down. You, I, all of us experience fear and discouragement all the time. When Lisa and I were just married, we were... Um, we went to a haunted house. Now, I'll tell you this. I don't like haunted houses, okay, as, as you'll see in just a second. This is me being vulnerable with you. I, I, in fact, I, I would say I hate haunted houses. When I was in high school, I worked at a haunted house, and you'd say, why? I don't know. I wanted friends. I wasn't finding them in the church, so I went to a haunted house, and you'll find a lot of different types of people that work that event for free. But but then I hadn't really visited one until we were married. And we went, and it was a, a corn maze haunted house, to make it worse. So we're in New Mexico, and in this haunted house, you know, you know, Lisa's behind me like this, like pushing me forward. And I'm going, I don't, why did we pay for this? I don't know. The minute you walk into this, you're going, someone's going to scream at me. I'm going to see blood everywhere. I'm going to see, like, things that I hate. And so I'm walking through this, and I'm like, I'm like, scr- I'm screaming. I don't know how to act in a haunted house. And she's like, just go. And I'm trying to act brave. I'm trying to be the Joshua 1-9, be brave, be strong and courageous. I'm, I wasn't at all. And we get into this room. It's the clown room, okay? Now, I don't know your thoughts on clowns. All I know is what Jesus thinks about clowns, okay? And I know those things the clowns, when I see these clowns, I'm terrified. I Like to this day, clowns and spiders, and you go, did you see it as a kid? I did. Maybe that's what did it for me. But clowns and spiders are really a, a phobia of mine. And I walk into this room, and there's clowns. And I don't know where they're coming from. And there's sheets that are blocking them. And then I walk, I bump into one, and I'm like, I'm terrified. She's sticking right by my side. I run out of the clown room. She's right behind me. And then it's like, uh, who's going to get out first, okay? So I get out, and I hear this, vroom, 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 you know, the chainsaw. And the, this person, it like sounds, you don't pay for haunted house, don't, just don't go. This person has a chainsaw, and, and they're chasing after me, and I'm out. I'm just gone. I don't know. But see, the problem is I had my wife at some point in this 
in this haunted house. I had her with me, okay? But when I left and I look back, she's in the corner. And the guy has a chainsaw and he's like, you know, and she's screaming, ah! And the guy is with his chainsaw and she's going, ah! And I'm sitting on the sideline going, I don't think they're allowed to touch her, right? Like, I don't, <laughs> for real, I don't think they're allowed to. And she's screaming and I'm just going, come on, they can't touch you, come on. And she comes out and, you know, we, we had some words about what happened. Something happened. Something happened at the exchange between I was so brave and strong, courageous, and then I was out. <laughs> I was so happy I was out of there. They, they, they didn't bother her. She, or they didn't touch her. Or, she's fine. Anyway, all that to say, th this, this idea that when fear kind of corners us, like we're walking through life together, and then fear kind of corners us, what, what feels so common to me is that the people are on the outside and they're watching, you know, and we're, we're like screaming and falling apart, by the way, and fear, whatever that fear would be, we'll talk about what is fear and discouragement in a second, but whatever that fear would be, it keeps us from taking the step into the freedom that God would have for us out of the haunted house, and then the people are just watching, and, and, and they just watch. I don't know if you've experienced, when you've tried to be brave in your life for Jesus, even just a little bit, even just like this much, the skepticism, the discouragement comes rushing in. They just watch. I, they say things like, hey, I, I told you, yeah, they shouldn't have gotten that job. They shouldn't have left that church. They, they shouldn't have become friends. They shouldn't have dated that person. I, I don't know. They shouldn't have gotten married. They shouldn't have. And they're just watching, watching, watching. The whole time, we're in the corner going, at some point, we're really close. And then when, whenever I'm trying to be brave, Whenever I'm trying to do the right thing, when, whenever I'm trying to be committed, everybody's watching me, and fear and discouragement drive me to the corner. And then the, the bigger question comes is, it goes, well, where's God in this whole thing? Like, we're not, we don't, we're not people who believe that we're the only ones that we have, and we've just got, no, we believe God's here somewhere in this whole mix of things. And where's God in this thing? If we're sitting here going, where's everybody else? Then I don't know about you, but I, I think the question when I'm trying to be brave and strong and courageous, when I'm trying to do things that are going to require me fighting against this, I go, where is God? In the whole mix of things, where's God? He could deliver me. He can push me further. He can do that. And why doesn't he? Um, researchers at John, Johns Hopkins University 30 years ago they said that the greatest fears of grade school children, now, now follow me here, there's five. The greatest fears were animals, being in a dark room, clown, no, I'm just kidding, high places, strangers, and loud noises. Those were the greatest fears. Today, when the survey was taken, kids are afraid of the following five. Divorce, nuclear war, cancer, pollution, and being mugged. The world doesn't feel like it's getting safer at all. In fact, if we're honest, the world feels like it's getting more and more fearful. The more we try to be unpredictable in our relationship with God, and we do what he's asking us to do, the more sacrifice we have to make as people for things like what Hannah was talking about, all these just, look, by the way, I don't mind taking time in the service to say this is how we're going to operate and impact the city and the nation, but the more we do those sorts of things, 
it's not like the world's getting a safer place. The reason we increase that is because the world is getting darker. And it's getting harder and harder to operate in bravery and consistency before God. So here's what I ask when I and feel like I'm cornered in a room and my spirit is shaking and I'm going, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And I feel discouraged. The discouragement of this conversation my brain has with itself that's so unhealthy that all the discouragement and fear sets in. I go, where is God? And why, like, why do I have such a hard time believing his promises and taking hold and living in that area? Like, that's the freedom we're talking about. Why is that so hard? Well, Joshua, in the book of Joshua, Joshua is interesting because we're jumping into this narrative in the Old Testament. Now, Joshua was the one who followed Moses. Moses was the one who received the Ten Commandments, brought it to the people. Moses is this great uh, figure in history. Joshua, a lot of you will probably know who Joshua is. There's a time when Moses pulled Joshua aside. This is at the end of Deuteronomy. He pulls Joshua aside, and in front of the people, he says, now be strong, be courageous. So he has the, he has, Joshua has people, tell, like Moses, telling him, be strong and courageous. Then Moses dies, and then God says similar things. So like, it, it's like if we're sitting there talking to each other, and, and you were to tell me or I were to tell you, hey, listen, be strong. Don't give up, okay? Whatever you do, don't give up in your marriage. Whatever you do, do not give up in life. Be strong. Be courageous. Take the right steps and initiatives, even though it's unpredictable. Be courageous. And then, you're, and then when I'm not with you, you go, who's telling me this now? Well, maybe God is, and, that, and that's what we get into with Joshua. Let's, let's jump into Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Now, I don't know how you're doing, not doing this as we're talking, okay? But this is, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, Okay? being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Let's keep going. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For, when, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So, by the way, how America defines good success and how God's defining good success are very different things. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Here's what I want us to know. God's presence through this whole thing is guaranteed, but his promises are optional. This whole entire thing, his, pre his presence is guaranteed, his promises are optional. Here, here's the way that one commentator put it. He said that um, when it comes to the ownership of the land, that depends on God's faithfulness, but the occupation of the land depends on the faithfulness of Joshua. It's not a question, now we'll talk about it because it is a question in our mind in, in real life, but it's actually what we know, if you know anything about God in general, his presence is there, but his promises 
are the sort of thing we actually have to take a hold of. And by promises, I am talking about plans, purposes. I'm not talking about financial prosperity. I'm talking about the real things that God is calling you to, the things he's calling his people to, and the things he's, part, he's calling the world to participate in, the promises, which we'll talk about in a second, okay? But this, God's presence is guaranteed. Let's talk about this real quick because I don't think, I don't think that we recognize how much of his presence is guaranteed all throughout Scripture. So notice, he is with you wherever you go, wherever you go. Now, do you know what the Hebrew word for whatever is? It's whatever, wherever, okay? So wherever you go, God is with you. He delights in being present. He's not a distant, far-off God that would say, you know, if you, if you go in this area, I'm not there. Like, I, I'm not, I, I, there's a theology out there that says God can't be around sin, which I don't, maybe Jesus just didn't hear of that theology, okay? Because he was around sinners all the time. And we go, what about my darkest days? He's there. What, what about the times when, like, the argument was so heated, we didn't even consider the other person a human being with the words that we exchange? He's there. What about the times where mom and dad failed you? He's there. He's present wherever you may go. Now, the instruction to Joshua was be strong and courageous. But what is not hinging on Joshua at all is God's presence. It's guaranteed. He is there. In fact, the psalmist put it like this. Let's go to that next one. You know when I sit and when I rise. Now, the psalmists were known to write in a poetic fashion about the activity that God was up to. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. So not only is he present with us, he's present to us. He knows us. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Isn't that crazy? Before your brain has fully formed the next sentence, God knows it completely. He's there. You hem me in behind and before you lay, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Which is true. You just try thinking about this for a second. It's too hard. Let's keep going. Where can I go from your spirit? Now, here's this very interesting. Where can I flee from your presence? This is a question here, a genuine question. Do you think there's a place you can go that God isn't? Now, this isn't to scare you. This would be scary if God's the type of God that's going to smite you, okay? That if he's the Zeus going to throw a thunderbolt on you, or lightning bolt, thunder is just a sound, remember? Okay, so where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. And you go, well, duh, it's the heavens, right? Like, God's in heaven. If I make my bed in the depths, and this word here is in Sheol, which is what we translate into hell. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. By making his bed, he's actually saying, if I plan on staying here a while, right? If I plan on getting comfortable here, you're there too. Yeah, he's there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, and this is verbiage, by the way, of saying I'm trying to get away. I'm on the far side of the sea. I'm trying to get away from everything else. Even there, your hand will guide me 
your right hand will hold me fast. The presence of God is everywhere. When we face fear and discouragement, one thing that you can be uh, like rest uh, assured of is his presence is guaranteed. Where you're going, your next step in life is guaranteed to have God's presence there. Now, God's activity, now if you want to talk about does this honor God, does this not honor God, that's a different thing. We'll get into that, and that's where we want to operate within the promises of God. But his presence, there's not a place you can go, there's not a thing you can do where God goes, I don't know where they went. <laughs> I don't know. They they just like, I don't know, where'd Preston go? I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, he's gone. What? Ha- there's not a place all throughout Scripture we find the people who are closest to God will make these sort of remarks. We even find Moses making this sort of remark that he's saying, you knew before I was born this, everyone's going to complain when I lead them out of Egypt. Why did you let me be born? Because you knew this day was coming. He knows, right? There's not a place you can go. And he's present. He's present. In the movie The Lion King, think back, way back, okay? The movie The Lion King, little Simba, He's in this dark valley with the hyenas surrounding him. You remember this? You guys need to watch Disney more often. I don't know what you're watching, but you need to watch Disney. Turn off Netflix. Maybe it's on Netflix. But they're like, the hyenas are surrounding him, and Simba is, or they're coming towards him, and Simba's there, and he's trying everything he can do to muster up a roar. You remember this? He's like, rawr, 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 and the hyenas are laughing, laughing, laughing. They're laughing at him, and he is in, the depths, he has made his bed in hell, okay? He's about to get devoured by hyenas. And his dad is on the way. Mufasa is on the way, and he's hurrying. And Simba's going, rawr, rawr. And then they go, do it again, right? They go, do it again. And then his dad, right behind him, gets up and gives this giant roar, I mean, this loud roar. And the hyenas scatter, and Simba goes, yeah, that's right. But it wasn't Simba at all. It was the presence of his dad that, like, was there in the valley roaring, and the enemy flees. The enemy flees. It's like all throughout Scripture, we find God being compared to strong allies that people are used to. One of them would be a lion of Judah. And even in, in, uh, with Piper, when she has nightmares, laying in her bed, I'll tell her, I want you to imagine Aslan... And you go, of course it's Aslan, C.S. Lewis. I know, but like imagine Aslan right here watching over you. Nothing's going to happen to you. Which it does, and it helps. I mean, we're talking about the presence of God. They're roaring against the enemy. There's not a place you can go. Your next step in life will not be where God is not. Okay? It's not going to take them by surprise. Now, what I want to talk about are those promises. When we talk about those next steps, are those promises. What we're saying is God's presence is guaranteed. His promises are optional. Okay? When we talk about his promises, what's the temptation here is that when we're like in the scripture with Joshua, the temptation is to go, I, I want to take the, the Old Testament narrative and I want to kind of like minimize it and make it so personal. Okay? So we go, I don't know, things like this. David killed Goliath, and Lord knows I can pay off my car. You know what I mean? Whatever, whatever we do, we just minimize it. We just, we just look at, well, this debt here is my Goliath, and I just need the right stone, and I just—that's really bad way to interpret the Bible. 
to apply it so personally and minimize it and not even look at the context of what's happening, what you're actually doing is you're minimizing the miracle that's taking place. What happens here is way bigger than you paying off your car, okay? What is taking place in the text is so massive that it's supposed to inspire faith in you that you go, oh my goodness, is that how God operates? Is that a promise? Is that, is that the way that he is? Is he the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow? That's how he operates? Okay, if he operates that way, well, surely in my situation, he's going to be present and there's going to be things I can do to engage in life with him. Does that make sense? We don't want to personal. We don't want to take the David, David and Goliath story and make it like that. We don't want to take the story of Moses splitting the Red Sea and be like, okay, well, I need to find a school to go to. I've got to find the right job. So, Lord, I just pray you'll, you'll make that happen. Split all the applications apart and make my application sit at the top of the employer. That's not, I mean, come on. That's really bad, what we call exegesis, pulling out of Scripture what's actually there. That's really bad exegesis. What we want to do is look at the context. One of the um, commentaries that our meetup, our meetup, which is a group that meets up every other Monday night, we go through the book of Philippians together, and we, we come together, and we talk about what is the text saying. Like we go into, we do the SOAP method, S-O-A-P. I know you know how to spell SOAP, but I'm just reiterating. The, the S is for scripture. The O is for observation. What did it mean then and there? The A is for application, and the P is that we pray that together. So in, in doing that, we use this um, commentator named Dr. Constable. This is what he says about this passage of Joshua 1, 6 through 9. He said, The fact that the Hebrews included many historical books, follow me here, such as Joshua in the prophet section, this is actually in the prophet section of the way that it was laid out for the Hebrews, reveals a basic attitude of God's people. They viewed what God revealed here not primarily as a historical record, as much as an authoritative record of selected historical events designed to teach important spiritual lessons. We should therefore recognize Joshua not simply as a record of history, but as a selective history intended to reveal God's will. That out of all that was taking place, the reason this is here is to reveal God's will, his action. You know, Joshua's whole life could have been like documented if we wanted it to be if God wanted it to be. And the Hebrews identify, we, we only want in there ways that God is acting like in a way that we can attach our lives to. And so when we talk about the promises of God, like the, the promises, so he's making promises to Joshua. Joshua, if you can be strong and courageous, you're going to inherit the land I've promised and you're going to achieve great success for the people. These are things that Moses wasn't able to do. And, and he's saying, but be strong and courageous, but be strong and courageous. So he's identifying that, Joshua, the biggest thing you're going to have in front of you is your fear and your discouragement, okay? The biggest thing you're going to have in front of you is not going to be the other armies. It's going to be your fear and it's going to be your discouragement. Joshua, listen to me. There is a promise. I think I told you, but I'm going to say it again. Be strong and be very courageous, okay? Be strong and be very courageous because what's in front of you is what I want to give you, but I need you to take steps to get there. My presence will be there wherever you go, Joshua. My presence is there. But you got to be strong and courageous. You got to take steps. So in the Old Testament here, Here's what I want to share with you. In the Old Testament, some of the promises were like this. 
God promised to bless Abraham and through his descendants the whole world. Okay, in the Old Testament. God promises protection for his children in Psalm 121. God promised that his love will never fail. God promised Israel that their sin could be forgiven, their prosperity restored, and their nation healed in Second Chronicles. God promised that under, uh, that he promises that through the obedience, through the obedience of the Israelites, they will encounter what it is to have favor, the attention of God. He promises that. God promised blessing for all who delight themselves in his word. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. These are God's promises. In the Old Testament, just a few of them. And then we go, yeah, but what? Yeah, we're not in the Old Testament. I mean, Hannah's right. We're like, when we look at Jesus, we get this clear picture of who God is because Jesus is God. And we're like, yeah, but that's the Old Testament. Yeah, but here's, here's what's so fascinating. A rabbi who was writing about this passage said, um, Joshua, here, I'll just read it to you. He says this, the name, uh, the name of this book in Hebrew, Greek, and English comes from the principal character in it, Joshua. Rather than from the writer, Joshua may or may not have written the writer of this book, but the title is appropriate because Joshua means Yahweh saves. Joshua is the Hebrew name that translates into Aramaic as Jesus. What Jesus is to God's people in a larger sense, Joshua was to the Israelites in a smaller sense. Joshua brought God's people into the realization of many of God's plans and purposes. This book is a record of God's deliverance of the Israelites into what God had promised them and what we must grab a hold to in Christ. So what Joshua is doing for the Israelites on a greater and more true scale, Jesus does for his people. So if you go, that, those promises sounded good. Yeah, well, here's the ones in the New Testament. God promises salvation to all who believe in his son. In Romans, God promises that all things will work out for the good of his children. God promised comfort in our trials. God has a plan, and one day we'll be able to share in that comfort. God's pro- God promises a new life in Christ, that salvation is the beginning of a new existence. God promised every spiritual blessing in Christ, whereas the Old Testament Israel was promised physical blessing. The church today has been promised a spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. God promises peace when we pray. God promises to supply all of our needs in Matthew and Philippians. Not that we get everything we want, but that our needs will be taken care of. We are more valuable than the birds that fly in the sky. And does God not know every bird that's in the sky? That's just in the New Testament general. If I jumped in the Gospels, I'd go, Jesus promises us rest. Jesus promises us abundant life if we follow him. Not this life that's boring and free of risk. He promises us abundant I go on and on and on. I'm saying, yeah, okay, well then what's, what's the deal? Well, the deal is, it's not really a deal. The, the problem is these, to, do, to engage in any of those things takes a step. Just like Joshua had to take a step. And the thing right there all the time is fear and discouragement. So what do I do to stay encouraged and fight fear? Let's talk this through quickly. You throw that up. What do I do to stay encouraged and fight fear? Here's the first one. Understand what fear and discouragement are. Fear is your ability. Well, let me just say this. The reason I I put this here is you need to know the weapons that are formed against you. You need to know what these things are. I mean, if you're in battle and you have a shield, I don't know about you, but I'm going to want to know, am I fighting fire or arrows, okay? Like, I, I need to know what the shield is made out of. I'm seriously resisting a superhero analogy right now. But I, I want to know what the shield is made out of in order to engage in the enemy, 
Okay? What is fear? Fear is when you look at the future and you anticipate a future without God's presence in it. He's not active in your future. That's fear. That's very fearful. Discouragement is this conversation you have with yourself where you say things like this. It'll always be this way. It'll never get better. This is my lot in life. People will always treat me this way. Discouragement is that inner conversation that's going on. That's discouragement. Okay? You need to know what you're fighting against. So when God is trying to talk you into something, be strong and very courageous, right? He's trying to talk you into something. You're busy talking yourself out of it. That's discouragement. Okay, let's go to the next one. Remember what the Bible says. And you go, oh my goodness, this is like, that's like the most basic. It is basic. But it's what was said to, to Joshua when he tells him, be strong and courageous. Then he says, don't let my word leave your lips. Don't let my word leave your lips, meaning it's abiding in his heart. We see this all throughout the Psalms. Remember the word of God. Remember what the Bible says. Two theologians were asked, what is the most profound truth in all of Scripture? And they said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The most profound. Why would God love you? Okay? If you think you're all that, I mean, just ask the person next to you. They'll say, I don't know. They'll just say, I don't know why God would love you that much. The Bible does say this. There's a book that's called Move. It talks about the four different stages of our spiritual progression. Everything from kind of being a seeker, which is to where some of you are at right now, where you're just going, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking. I, I want to know what's true. And, and you may or may not end up on the same page as, as Christianity, but I'm really glad that you're here. So, so there's there. And then there's Christ-centered, which is like where people, they're like, I, I don't know, I just, I read that you should sell all your things all that you have to follow Jesus. So I literally, I got nothing in my apartment anymore, okay? So there's Christ-centered, and there's four stages. Each stage has disciplines that people engage in. There's one discipline that they say is consistent from seeker to Christ-centered, and it's scripture memorization. They interviewed 10,000 churches of all different sizes. Scripture memorization. When the kids are up here, and they're like saying, I know the memory verse. I know. Now they're timid, okay? So don't, they're like, but they didn't know. They did know. They're timid. But they're like, I, I know. And they say, Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. When they say this and they get it in their heart, the kids are way further than most of us. God tells him, when he's saying fight this way, the law don't let it leave your lips. Don't let it leave your lips. He's not saying don't speak it. He's saying don't let it like don't let it pour out of you. It needs to stay in you. This is remember what the Bible says. And here's the third one. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. The word there where it says meditate, that word is hagah, and it means to mutter. Okay, this is an ancient practice of rabbis that they would mutter, they would mutter, they would they would say the scripture, okay? It's not just enough for them to read it. They must rehearse it. You follow me? It is not enough for you to just encourage yourself in the scriptures by reading it. You have to rehearse it somehow. So they muttered. That's literally what the word means is that mutter the word of God. Mutter this. So they're sitting there going, I mean, 
they would be quoting the the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. But here we're going, okay, greater is He that is in me, and He that is in the world. I, I know the one in the world is coming again, but greater is He that is in me, and God is faithful to finish the work that He started in me. Okay, I got it. And then when when we're faced with the fear of of like maybe for some of us we're faced with the fear of a commitment. We're faced with the fear of like I don't I don't know. Like there's there's a commitment that's right around the corner, and you go, I'm scared. You start to talk yourself out of it, and then you start to be able to rehearse. You start to be able to rehearse. You know, okay, it's not good that man be alone. Okay, I got it. it's not good that man be alone. This is a gift. This is a helper. You're muttering this to yourself. It's not enough to just read it. According to if you're going to take steps and be strong and courageous. Now, here's here's the reality. How many of you guys already talk to yourself in general? Raise your hand. You already talk to yourself. You're crazy. I have my hands raised too. And of course you talk to yourself. You have self-talk going up in here. Of course you talk to yourself. Look, like when we're three and we have Legos, we're like, the big one goes here and the small one goes here and get the wing. And we're not talking to anybody, right? Nobody's around us. We're just talking to ourselves. Somewhere between being three and being where you're at right now, you're talking yourself out of things all the time. You're talking yourself out of things. And you're avoiding the promises of God. Muttering. This is what the church fathers, they grabbed a hold of this discipline. They called it breath prayers, that they would breathe in about four syllables and they would breathe out about four syllables. And so they would breathe, they would have a breath prayer that as they're breathing, as they would fall asleep, this breath prayer is going in and out of them. They are muttering. This is like an, I'm telling you, this is a, an art that people have that whenever they meditate, in Denver when we meditate, we go clear your mind, right? Clear your mind and focus on this whatever. In Scripture when you meditate, it goes fill your mind, fill your mind, fill your mind, rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Fill your mind, rehearse, rehearse. And before you know it, you're talking yourself into the promises of God. Dr. Lloyd-Jones, who is a theologian, he said, the problem is not that we don't listen to ourselves. The problem is that we don't talk to ourselves. We need to talk ourselves into it. These here, understand, remember, meditate. Understand what you're fighting. Remember, meditate. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to think your next brave step in life. The next one. Just one. Don't show me the staircase. Just one. One right there. One. Does that not require strength and courage? Or do you think it's just going to happen? <laughs> strength and courage. And then I want you to think this. How have you been talking yourself out of it? What have you been doing to tell yourself? And what friends have you put around yourself to talk yourself out of this? And I want you to now remember, what does the Bible say about that thing? What does the Bible say about that thing? That one thing. And what if when you went to bed tonight, you started to just repeat yourself, this is what God says about this. This is what God says about this. This is what God says about this. For some of you, it may just be, God said, be strong and courageous, for he will not leave me. God said, be strong and courageous. This is what the Bible says about this. I want to tell you, as we wrap up, um, a story about me when I was about seven years old. I was in Florida, and uh, John, you can go ahead and come up here if you want. I was in Florida, and there was a tornado that was coming our way. We used to live in Fort Walton Beach, and uh, 
I, as a kid, whenever you see storms coming your way, you kind of freak out. And my family was saying, why don't you go into, go into um, the bathroom? That's what it's called. Go into the bathroom and everybody hide in the bathtub and then get the mattress. And we put the mattress. You guys, are you familiar with this? No? Okay. Okay. Well, what, what, what this is for is that if windows get shattered, you have a mattress on top of you. You don't have a bunch of glass coming in. If there's debris that falls on you, rubble that falls on you, you have a mattress to catch it. And then the hope is that people would come and save you. It is morbid, but it is the best thing you got when there's something coming your way. So my family's going, okay, go, everybody go in the bathtub. So we're in the bathtub and in trying to get a mattress in. And I remember, I remember at seven years old going, oh, wait, my Bible. I don't have my Bible. I still have this Bible, by the way. I don't have my Bible. And I ran out of the bathroom, and my parents were going, where are you going? And I said, i got to get my Bible. Why, why do you have to get your Bible? And uh, what they tell me I said, because that's really all my memory goes to, is that area. What they tell me I said is that I said, because if I have the Bible, and I say what God's saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So I go and I get the Bible, and I just open it, and we just start reading the Bible. Well, the tornado didn't hit us. I mean, it, like, it, it didn't even hit that town. But as a child, something happened between then and now. The first thing I tend to go to is not the Bible. First thing I tend to go to whenever it comes to danger and fear and discouragement is not the Bible. First thing I tend to go to is, like, I just let this self-talk go crazy, right? That's the first thing I go to. Second thing I go to is I try to talk myself out of it. Well, I'm just not the person to do this. Or but God asked me to do that, but I don't think he meant that. I think he meant something else. And, the, and before I know it, I'm totally beside myself. The presence of God's with me, right? My Christian, sure, here is the presence with me. His promises, I just find I, I lack in that area. But when I was a kid, I knew how to grab a hold of those and to believe in those things. I didn't make up promises, by the way, as a kid. What I did was I just knew what the Bible said. I'm going to put my trust in this. This seems so elementary. And there's some of you that you go, okay, I cannot trust the Bible. There are parts of the Bible I can't trust. Can you at least trust the words of Jesus? If he came back from the grave, okay, if he didn't come back from the grave, you don't have to worry about it. But he came back from the grave. If he came back from the grave, can you trust his words? Can you at least trust his words? Can you trust the fact that when he says, I come to give life and to give it abundantly, that that was true? Can you trust when he says, I come to give you rest? Man, you're in such a hurried pace. I've come to give you rest. Can you trust that's true? Can you trust that when he said, I've come to bring salvation to man? Can you trust that that's true? Can you at least trust him? We just start there, and for others of you, you go, I'm at a place that I trust the whole Bible. Great. Start this routine in your life. Fear and discouragement, they corner us, they corner us, and then everybody watches. And God says, I'm present. I want you to start repeating. Repeat after me. Repeat after me. This is exactly what Jesus himself did. When the devil was right in front of him in the temptation, he starts reciting Scripture. You can't be more spiritual than the Bible. <laughs> you can't be more spiritual than Jesus. And I just think you need to be reminded, when you're cornered, there is a plan for you to fight. God is not far from you. He's behind you roaring. And the enemy may flee, 
But you don't have to stay in that valley, you see. You can take a hold of some of the promises of God. So here's how we're going to respond. Can you stand with me? Here's how we're going to respond. Let's throw those three questions up. If you're here and you say, I want to receive the promise that you can have eternal life with God. Salvation. Life with God in Jesus. You go, I want that. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm. I want that. Okay? Well, what I would ask of you is can you be brave and take, by the way, this is not a time where we say we're, we're not going to be brave. This is where we fight fear. Fear and discouragement are going to try to talk you out of it right now. Be brave. Can you just step to the side? You say, I want eternal life with God. That's a promise that I can have. Will you just say, I'm going to step to the side, and here's why. Because we're going to have someone come pray with you. You don't have to do life on your own. Can you do that? Take a step to the side. Either side of these, this room. Here's the second question. Does the self-talk of discouragement far outweigh the promises of Scripture? Are you like waking up thinking this will never get better? Things will never change. And it just, it goes on and on and on and on. And it's a tornado. And you need someone to grab a hold of the word for you and say, can you just repeat, repeat after me? This is going to help you. Okay, if this is you, can you be brave and just step to the side? We're going to have a prayer team come to you. But this is you. Step to the side. You say the self-talk of discouragement far outweighs the promises of Scripture. And here's the last one. Do you need to know that God has not left you? You're like Simba in front of the hyenas, roaring all you can. And the only time you get rest is actually when you're sleeping. And that's even harder for you. And you need to know that dad is right behind you, roaring them away. Do you need to know that? So if you need to know that, will you step to the side? Either side. You say, I need to know that God has not left me. Step to the side.